This is the weekly podcast for Connection Community Church for Sunday, September 27th, 2009. Located in the Middletown, Delaware, we are dedicated to connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. For more information about Connection Community Church and our ministries, please contact us at www.connectioncc.org. If you seek a relationship with Jesus or would like prayer, please call our church offices at 302-378-7692. On behalf of the entire Connection family, we thank you for listening and pray that you are blessed by God's message. today because I have an exciting offer for you. I represent Dapper Dan doorknobs, the best darn doorknobs in Delaware. And for a limited time, we're doing a buy three, get one free special. You're a door-to-door doorknob salesman. Yeah. Well, uh, I've already got doorknobs. I can see that. Well, thank you for your time. Wow. I, hope he, I hope he's not working on commission because he's going to starve to death, isn't he? Whoa, brother. I don't know. That's an embarrassment to the sales trade. Golly day. You know what he needs? He needs a seminar that I went to years ago when I was in sales. Now, I don't remember a whole lot else about this seminar except two things. I remember the guys who ran it. They were, named by, they were named the Kinder Brothers because they were brothers and their name was Kinder. And, um, and they uh, gave seminars about selling insurance and stuff like that. And here's the thing I remember from that because it was on a little coin that I stuck in my pocket that day. And I read it many times. If it is to be, it's up to me. That's the sales game. If it is to be, uh, you've got to be a self-starter. <laughs> and you can't, like, that isn't going to work. <laughs> You're going to starve to death with that. If it is to be, it's up to me. And, and, and my experience was that if, I, if it was up to me and I did work hard at it, it was a good, pretty good formula for success. It was a pretty good formula for success. I say pretty good because this formula for success, if it is to be, it's up to me, works real well up to a point. That's right. It only works up to a point because the problem is this, that when success is mainly measured by what we've done, what we're able to achieve, wow, we've got a problem now. We've got a real problem because sooner or later with this kind of success, we will find ourselves in a bind. We will be bound by our success. Bound by our success. That's what we're talking about this morning. Letting go of the successes that bind us. Good morning, Connection Church. Good morning. My name is Carrie Jones. And I'm Alan Jones. 
and we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we do thank you for this morning. Thank you for waking us up, for bringing us here. And thank you for this guy named Jacob, who we'll talk about today. Help us learn from him and carry home a message that we can use. And I pray, Lord, that we're each different as we leave this place today. Pray this in Jesus' name. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Amen. Yeah, I've allowed success to bind me up at occasions in my life, and maybe you've had that happen in your life as well. You know, the success that you dreamed about ended up holding you hostage, perhaps. You ended up being bound by the very thing you worked so hard to achieve. Maybe maybe it was a job, maybe even a career that, that you were successful at, but there came a point where you found yourself um, unable to maybe try something else, try something new, even though you wanted to because you were bound up in that success, or perhaps the fruits of that success, the material things in your life had gotten to the point of importance that it was difficult for you to imagine life without them, without these luxuries that perhaps had become necessities as you became more successful. Or perhaps it took so much time and energy and focus to be this successful, this, this, this driven, that there's not much left over. Not much left over for anybody. No time left over, no time with, with family, no time with friends, no time for God. We can be so driven and so focused that everything that we're working, working, working for Instead of giving us uh, this, this great freedom, actually it binds us up. It completely binds us up. It does the opposite. And so we're bound up. We can be bound up by our successes. And we see some really great examples of this in Scripture. And we've talked about those on occasion. But one of my favorites has always been a character that we find in, uh, in about the middle of the book of Genesis, that first book of the Bible, and this character's name is Jacob. Jacob. <laughs> now, we've talked about Jacob before because his story is great. There's a lot that we can learn from him, but he really was a character from the moment he was born. He was grabbing all that he could in order to be successful. In fact, he, it began with grabbing the heel of his twin brother Esau as he was being born. Grabbing onto Esau's heel. And that name Jacob means heel grabber. Heel grabber. He would continue for much of his life to grab all he could and try to connive other people to help him gain success. You know, if you like soap operas, you got to love this guy, Jacob, and his life. Because his life is, uh, it's better. It's better than TV. It's better than one of those uh, movies made for TV. This thing, give you, in early adulthood, um, his brother, who's kind of an outdoorsy guy, comes in. He's famished. He's been outside all day. And, and he's hungry. Well, 
Jacob's been cooking up, if you read one version, soup or stew, but he's cooking up the stuff on the stove, and his brother comes in famished, and he says, give me some of that, some of that soup you're cooking up. Well, Jacob's more than, you know, more than happy to oblige. The challenge is, what he says is, yeah, I'll give you a bowl of soup in exchange for your birthright. Now, for us, that might not mean a whole lot, but for that culture at that time, that was huge because Esau was the oldest male heir, which meant that uh, when, when daddy died, he would be the, well, the head of the clan. And this was a clan that had gotten some, some, uh, some cosmic promises from God. In addition, he gets a, a double portion of the inheritance. This guy's either really goofy or really hungry or both because he says, yeah, I'm so hungry, you can have my birthright. Just give me a bowl of that soup. And, and Jacob is more than willing to do what his brother asks because he knows that he's going to get what he wants by doing that. He's going to take advantage of his brother's uh, hunger and take advantage of this situation. Let me ask you a question. Is this just Jacob or have any of us at a time taken advantage of somebody's hunger or situation in order to better our position or bring about some success in our lives? Another question. Have have we ever tried to um, pull someone down, you know, heel grab or pull someone down in order to get ahead? Anyway, back to Jacob. Several years later, Jacob's father, his name was Isaac. Isaac was very old. He could hardly see. And so he asked Jacob's brother, the outdoorsy one, um, Esau, to go out and hunt some wild game, and prepare him some food that he really liked so that he could give Esau his blessing before he died. Now, Isaac was married to Rebekah. Rebekah was Esau and Jacob's mom. Rebekah, Isaac's wife, overheard this conversation. And she did something that just, I'm almost embarrassed that moms would do this or wives would do this she encouraged jacob to deceive his father she encouraged jacob to deceive his father she fixed the food that isaac wanted and she also got esau's clothes for jacob to wear in this big deception plan and the bible also describes esau by saying that esau was a a very hairy man that's kind of interesting, isn't it? But it's an important point here. Um, Esau was very hairy, and so she got some goat skin to cover his arms and his neck so that when Isaac touched him, he would think that it was Esau, when in reality it was really Jacob. Now, this dad must have had really, really bad eyesight, and they must have just known that in order to think that this whole plan would work. You know, the beauty of this story, one of the beauties is this, you know, most of our families have some kind of dysfunction in them. This story makes us feel really good, you know, because this, this family is downright goofy. I mean, 
Jacob, okay, he takes the food into the, to the old man, and, and they talk some, and his father touches him. I just can't imagine him touching his goat skin and thinking it's his son. And, he, and, and here's dad. He, he's having trouble seeing, but I guess his hearing's okay. So he says, hmm, it's the voice of Jacob, but it sure feels like Esau. <laughs> Come on. This guy's goofy. Anyway, long story short, I guess he trusted feeling over <laughs> his, his, what he was feeling over what he was hearing. Never trust your feelings. Anyway, uh, he was trusting his feelings over his hearing, and, and, and he blesses well, he blesses the wrong guy in terms of who was supposed to get the blessing from the father because it was supposed to go to the oldest son. And, um, wow, he thinks he's blessing Esau, and he doesn't. He blesses the one who's tricked him into giving it to him. Wow. Now, none of us, none of us have ever tricked anybody to get ahead, have we? We've never used a little deception or a little sleight of hand to maybe have things go our way, have we? Don't answer, please. We're going to remain anonymous on this one. Anyway, when, uh, when Esau finds out what his brother did, well, he plots his revenge, of course, and his plan is that after the father dies, he's going to kill his brother. Kill him. That's pretty serious. Well, Mama, Mama Rebecca finds out the plan, and of course she wants to take care of her boy Jacob. I think he was the favorite. Take care of the boy Jacob, and he tells him to go stay with her brother, Laban, in, in, back, to the, back to the family compound there. Yeah. And so the story that she gives her husband is that she doesn't want Jacob possibly marrying a local girl. So her husband Isaac tells Jacob to go to his uncle's house and take a wife from among his cousins, which was okay at that time. And that's weird, too. Anyway, (laughs) Isaac again. Different time, different place. Different time, different place. No anymore. Anyway, Isaac again blesses Jacob. And when Esau finds out what happens... He goes and marries a local girl just to upset his dad. Now, you know, I'm going to make you, I'm going to get back at you, dad. And that's what he tried, that's what he did. None of us have ever done that, right? Done something just to upset our father, right? (laughs) Again, dysfunctional family. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Wow. Jacob's mother really did a great job at teaching him how to do what it took to get what he needed, how to be a man of success. Wow. You know, he could have been the poster child for the, the line, that, that coin that Alan had in his sales training. If it is to be, it's up to me. When, um, <laughs> when, when, when uh, Jacob goes to his uncle's house, we, we can see where this... This, this is the thread that runs through the family, this, this thread of conniving, because when he, he gets up with his uncle Levon, he has met his match. He has, I mean, he meets more than his match, and I'll tell you why. He, he falls for his cousin Rachel, and I think Scripture says, you know, she was beautiful. You know, it's always, they're always beautiful in Scripture, the one that he, that he wants to marry. She's beautiful, and 
Well, what, so, what was it? Easy on the eye. Easy eyes? on the eye. Yeah. Okay. Easy, on, easy the on the eye. She's more than easy on the eye. She's a knockout. Okay. So anyway, so Laban gets uh, gets wind of this. The gospel thing. according to Alan. It's what Scripture says. She was a knockout. It's uh, it's the Greek. I don't know what the Greek is, but that's what it means. Uh, she was a knockout. Anyway, Laban realizes that he's got this guy by the throat now. This is great because he's in love with his daughter. So he says, okay, seven years you work for me, she's yours. I'm not going to make you put your hands up, guys, but if that was the deal for you to get your wife, there'd be a lot of single guys in here, wouldn't there? Seven years. So he works the seven years. It's wedding day. Now, this is how goofy this family is. This guy must have been as blind as his father. It's the wedding night. I guess they didn't have a ceremony or something. I guess the ceremony was the wedding night because Laban sends his oldest daughter, not Rachel, but Leah, into the honeymoon bed. And the next morning, Jacob wakes up. Boo! That's the wrong girl! It's Leah. Too late. She's yours. <laughs> he says, well, what's it going to take for me to get my trophy wife? Seven more years of hard labor. This girl really must have been something because he's willing to put in 14 years for Rachel. And, and so he agrees to it. He works the seven years and then gets the girl of his dreams in addition to the one Laban gave as a bonus. 14 years, he's got two wives. You know, we've got one more daughter left. <laughs> we, we didn't think about this with the first two, but you know, you know and it's got possibility. She and TC were sitting right up here, and I said, TC, we like crabs. We could yeah. do that for seven years. You know, you know that's he's what he does. He's a crabber. This thing, this thing could yeah, have real possibility. work. He this told me work. later he, he, he thought it would be a good idea just to walk out on the, on the service <laughs> <laughs> when we went there, but... Yeah, smart guy. Good for Devon. He didn't do that. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's got possibilities, guys. Think about it. Anyway. Okay. So Jacob continues to work for his uncle for several more years until the Lord. And this is a really important part. This is when it gets really serious. The Lord tells Jacob that he needs to go home. He needs to go back to the land of his father. And by the world's standards, he is returning a very successful man. Jacob has done really, really well. He has many children. Of course, he's got two wives, but he has many children, including 11 sons, which is a very important thing in that culture. He has the wealth of livestock. He has a really, really big farm. He has got it all. Jacob was very, very successful. Very successful by the world standards. Unfortunately, it's not always the world standards that we want to measure our success by. Because all too often, when we use the world standard to measure success, that success will end up binding us, enslaving us. It will end up holding us captive. There's an old saying um, about the guy who worked and worked and worked, and, and he was climbing that corporate ladder. You know what I mean? He was giving it his all. You know, everything he had, he was putting into it. And he got to the top of the ladder only to find out it was leaning against the wrong building. You know, he'd given all he had. But that measure of success, it wasn't the success that he thought it was going to be. 
in order for Jacob to return home as the Lord instructed him to do, he had to cross the land where his brother Esau lived. <laughs> now, we're not totally sure how he knew that, but, but he did know that. So he sends this advanced party of servants ahead to tell his brother kind of what's been going on, catch him up on things, and that he hoped to find favor in his eyes, in his brother's eyes. Now, this is the same brother whose birthright he deceived his father into giving him. So the situation here is not great. Well, his men return and tell him that, yes, his brother will meet him with 400 men. Keep in mind, it's 14-plus years, you know, however much longer after the second wife. And the last thing he heard his brother, he knew of his brother, his brother wanted to kill him. And he's not so sure that has changed. Yeah. And so, go figure, he's fearful. And he's distressed. So, so he divides his stuff into two. Well, part of it he's going to send as a gift to his brother to try and, you know, ease that situation but he's going to keep this over here because he's still pretty slick and he doesn't want to give away all that he has. And then he does something that's probably the smartest thing that he's done this whole time. He prays. He prays. Now, his prayer is kind of interesting. It reminds me of some of my prayers and maybe some of yours. He spends his time reminding God of some things. He reminds God that it was God who told him to return to his father's land. In other words, it's because of you I'm walking into this death trap. So, hey, big boy, take care of me. Take care of me. And also, God, by the way, you promised me I would prosper, so don't let all my stuff get dispersed. And one last thing, would you please save me? <laughs> this was your idea, not mine. Save me, Lord. Good prayer. And so here's what he does next from his herd. He picks 220 goats, 220 sheep, 30 camels, 50 cattle, 30 donkeys. And he tells his servants to take this offering, take the animals ahead and offer them to his brother, kind of like as a peace offering, as a gift. His hope is that his, you know, he wants to pacify his brother so that he won't get hurt. <laughs> he wants his brother's heart to soften. So... Um, He's actually hoping that the fruits of his success will save him. Let me say this again. He's hoping that the fruits of his success will save him. Hmm. That's interesting, isn't it? Because isn't that what we do sometimes? We think the fruit of our success will save us. The only problem is we're wrong. Anyway, that night, Jacob sends his entire household, his wives, his servants, his kids, the rest of the livestock across the stream, the Jabbok, I think it's called. Uh, he, 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 for once, is all alone. He, he wants to protect all that stuff. Wow. It's Jacob's character. Does he have maybe a little heart after all? He's, he's afraid for himself and for them, but he knows he has to face his brother, so he kind of sends them off and protects them. And, and then this is what we read. It says in the Scripture here, 
uh, 32, Genesis, uh, verse 24. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And then the man said, let me, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he, re- he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. And there's a lot going on in this little section of Scripture. The belief was, people were told that if they saw God face to face, they would die. And that's why he says, wow, I, I, did, I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. He, he wrestled with God. This, this man is, is God in human form. He, he wrestled with God. Sounds familiar. Maybe you've wrestled with God before. Maybe you've had an all-night God and you wrestling match. I've had a couple of those. They're not real fun, but they they're good. They end up being good when it's all said and done, but he wrestles God all night, and he couldn't overpower him, so he gets his, you know, the sock in his hip, and he ended up limping the rest of his life from that. Uh, isn't it funny when we encounter God, we usually uh, walk away or limp away or somehow leave the scene changed, don't we? He had a physical change. We have an even more important change. His name before this encounter was Jacob, which meant heel grabber, conniver, Mr. Slick. Mr. If it is to be, I'm going to make it happen. It's up to me. That's what his name was before his encounter with God. After it was Israel. That's a really important name because that's the name of a nation that God is going to build through him and his descendants. He has 11 children. Later on in the story, he gets a twelfth, and those are the twelve tribes of Israel. Don't you marvel how God can take such a character, and he chooses him to be the one that he would rest the future nation of Israel on? That's just mind-boggling, isn't it, when you think about it? Anyway... What's really ironic was that it wasn't until Jacob totally let go of of his material success, he set aside all the things he'd worked for, his wives, his kids, his servants, his cattle, his sheep, all the the lives, everything. He was there empty-handed. Everything he had worked and strived for, all measures of his success were not there. They were not there. It wasn't until he stood there empty-handed, that he got the thing that he had been working his whole life for, the blessing, God's blessing, the thing that God had wanted to give him right all along from the very beginning, but he was so busy working for it, he wasn't in a position to receive it. Ironic, isn't it? 
Jacob's story is in this book called Hustling God. It's by M. Craig Barnes. He's a, a pastor, and he writes a lot of books. And on the back cover, we, we want to share this with you because he sums it up pretty good. He, meaning Jacob, entered the world vying with his brother for first place. He learned to work situations to his advantage, deceiving and cheating those closest to him. He schemed, struggled, and finally wore himself out, reaching for a blessing that eluded him, until he learned the certain, uh, until he learned the simple truth. Life isn't achieved. It's received from a God who gives it freely. Why don't, why don't you say those last two sentences with me? Life isn't achieved. It's received from a God who gives it freely. So um, how much like Jacob are we? You know, we, we're often so busy trying to achieve that we're unable to receive. You know, when our hands are full with the stuff that we've accumulated, it's, it's really difficult to accept the gift that God just wants to hand us no charge. All too often... We become, well, let's, let's call it what it is, very self-sufficient. Our, our society champions that. I'm self-sufficient. You know, the, the self-made man, the pull up by the bootstraps, the, I did it my way. And it's self-sufficient. But the problem with that is self-sufficient means, if you really look at it, that I don't need anybody else. And that includes God. And that's really challenging when we get to the point where we don't need God or where we get to the point where we don't think we need God. Maybe it's a pride thing, uh, this, this need to succeed. You know, we're so, we feel that we are responsible for our own success, and we think that the blessings are a result of our success in our doing, in everything we do, and that we don't give God the credit. Last week we talked about sin, and that letter in between the S and the N is what? I. And when I, when I am the focus of, you know, my own life, that's, that's self-centered, that's, that's sin. I, that means I don't pay attention to God. I'm in charge of my life. And that's true with pride. What's the letter inside of pride? I. You know, when we have pride, we're pretty pumped up about I, about me. And when we really get into that, when, when pride takes over and we become successful and it's a result of our doing and we don't give God God's due, it can bind us up. Our successes, when they become are the means to an end are absolutely binding. Mm, bound by success. Seems kind of strange, doesn't it? But it's true. When, when our hands are full of what we've achieved, oftentimes it binds us. Just as much as last week when Barry was up here and his hands were bound with duct tape. Our hands full of our own success sometimes just as bound up as if they'd been duct taped together. You know, when they're full of our stuff, we're not open to receive God's stuff. 
just like Jacob found out. It's, it's only when our hands are empty of our stuff that we can receive the stuff that God wants to give us. It's only when, when our hands are empty of our stuff that we can receive the blessing, not only that God wants to give, but that, what he's, been, that he's been wanting to give us all along from the very beginning. You know, it's just not material stuff that can can bind us. Not, you know, our positions and our titles and and our money. Sometimes we get bound by our spiritual success. And we get pretty pumped up and kind of arrogant uh, spiritually because we think that we're closer to God or we're more spiritual than other people. That is so, that can be so binding to have that attitude, that spiritual arrogance. There's a, a story, a, a real story, a true story, story in the Bible about this. It's found in Luke, it's chapter 18, beginning at verse 9. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, that's like a, a God person, a, somebody who really followed, Jesus, or followed God and the laws, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but, but beat his breast and said, God, God have mercy on me, a, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So which one? Which one are you? It's a good question to ask ourselves. Which one are we? Are we like the righteous? You know, do we feel righteously successful? You know, spiritually there? At least in our own minds, like, like this Pharisee? Or are we like the tax collector, in need of mercy, in need of forgiveness, in need of grace, in need of a Savior? Hmm. It's funny when we talk about blessing. Uh, A few years ago, I was thinking about that. And, you know, if somebody says to me, I said, oh, Alan, I have been so blessed. More often than not, what they're saying to me is, you know, things are going good right now, you know, the house, I got a nice house, I did a job, I got a great job. I, I, my wife and I, or my wife or husband are going great. The kids, they're just pff, oh, oh, perfect. We get the, it's like the, per, you know, we are cooking with propane. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like there. That's what we often think. Don't you, when somebody says, oh, I'm blessed, uh, I've been blessed, it's a blessing. But what I've found really, when I really dig a little bit from life experience and from those who I've known here, this congregation, others, and other congregation, um, is that's not really the blessing more often than not. 
More often, it's not when we've got everything in the world that we are blessed. It's when we're at the point where we've got nothing left to lose. And the only place we can turn to is God. When I've known people who are at that position and do turn there and realize what God has to give, realizes they, they get to realize the, the true blessing that, that God has to offer. You know, that's when we're truly blessed, not when we're bound by our successes when everything's going great, but, but when we have to turn open-handed to the Holy One, to the only one who can truly give us the blessing at all. And so our success comes not from our doing, but it comes from our being. It's not about how much we do, how much we accumulate, what kind of job or grades we get. It's not about that. But really it's about our being, about being in the presence of Christ, allowing Jesus to lead our lives, to sit at his feet, to take the time out of our busy schedule to be with Jesus. I guess that's why we're called human beings rather than human doings. How often do we get caught up in being, how often are we a human doing? I know I get caught up in that. But that's not being successful at all. Our success is measured, um, and that's a maybe not a good word to use, but our success is being in relationship and living our lives for God and walking it out God's way instead of our way. And God's way is always right, always right. Human doing or human being? Take some time this week to think about that. Let's pray. God, it's uh, really a challenge to consider that question, human doing or human being, since you know, we need to work and we need to do well in this or do well in that. And God, just help us not measure ourselves and our worth by all that. That simply all you want is for us to be in relationship with you and for us to bow our knee to you, call you Lord. Help us not have all these things of the world to lord over us. But for you to be our Savior, our God. Help us learn from Jacob and what a wild but encouraging story it is. How you use Jacob in such a powerful way to lead your people. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Savior, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of Connection Church said, amen. And so we close out this three-week series on um, letting go of those things that bind us. Two weeks ago, we talked about those secrets 
things that others had done, maybe family or friends, things that I had done, or maybe things that others had done to me or to us. And, and we talked about how those things can get in the way of receiving God, all that God has to give, and how we need to sometimes let go of those secrets, maybe share it with somebody we trust, and, and, and let, not let those secrets bind us. And then last week we talked about sin, uh, that, that aspect of our life that separates us from God, those things, uh, both the things we do and the things that we don't do, and even the things that it's not about the doing, but some of the things that we just uh, should have done or didn't do that are separating us from the Holy One. And we, we talked about how we are in need of salvation because we cannot save ourselves and talked about uh, letting go of some of those things and giving it back to God so that we could be free. And then today we're talking about those successes, about how hard it is to receive what God has to offer when our hands are already full with our own success. And if you're still dealing with two weeks ago, great, continue to deal with that. If uh, the last week, or I'd encourage you to take some time today, again, some con- contemplative time here at the end of the service. We'll have some soft music here, and just give some thought and prayer to what we've been talking about. Maybe today, think about those successes. Maybe those things that are maybe getting in the way of all that God has in store for you. You can pray in your seat. You can come up and pray up here. The, go up the ramp to your left. There's a wonderful prayer room. It's just a great place for, uh, for getting in touch with the Holy One. If you want somebody to pray with you, they're there, but uh, they won't pray with you unless you want them to. And You know, above all else, is um, letting go is in order so that we can connect with the one who desires relationship with us, Jesus the Christ. Uh, you know, we read in Revelation where he says, I stand at the door and knock. And if you open the door, if you open, I'll I'll come in. Share, share a meal with you. Wow. That's a wonderful picture, isn't it? There's a painting of that. There's no handle on his side. He doesn't force his way in. It's up to us. And and maybe sitting there going, gosh, I, I don't even know what that's about. Well, maybe he's knocking on your door right now. Why would you want to not open that door? Say, well, I don't know what to do. It's okay. All you got to do is say, here I am. Here I am. Maybe admit that you know you're a sinner and you need salvation because you can't save yourself. Maybe you know that you need Christ in your life. Or if you want somebody to talk through it with you, go up to room six there. They'd love to talk through it with you. But if that door, if Christ is knocking on that door in your life today, don't, don't not open the door. Drop whatever it is in your hands that's keeping you from opening the door and say, here I am. Come on in. Let's talk. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly message from Connection Community Church. If you would like more information about what you just heard, or if you seek a relationship with Jesus, please call our church offices at 302-378-7692. You can also find out more about our ministries and upcoming events on our website at www. Dot connectioncc.org. Thank you again for listening, and may this be the greatest week of your life.